AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey there, parents and teachers. Are you tired of feeling like every day is a battle of wills with your kids? Let me tell you about something that changed the game. Love and Logic. Love and Logic isn't just another parenting or teaching strategy. It's a mindset shift that empowers you to raise responsible, respectful kids while keeping your sanity intact. With Love and Logic, you'll learn practical techniques to set limits with empathy, give your kids the tools they need to make smart choices, and build relationships based on mutual respect and understanding. Love and Logic stands behind their methods with a one-year money-back guarantee. Try it out risk-free. If it doesn't change your life, we'll buy it back. Plus, you can get 10% off with code IHEART10. So if you're ready to say goodbye to power struggles and hello to peaceful, loving relationships with your kids, it's time to give Love & Logic a try. Visit their website or call today. Your sanity will thank you. Love & Logic, because parenting and teaching should be a joy, not a chore. Visit loveandlogic.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, Yoshimi, they don't believe me, but you won't let those robots defeat me. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Volkelbaum, and I was hoping that you would use uh, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots uh, quote for this particular episode. Yeah, from the flaming lips. I'm so pleased you recognized where that came from. I think this is like the third time that's happened in the entirety <laughs> of the, what, like two or three years we've been recording I think there was. Now? I think when I used maps once, you got that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, my musical references are different. 
than Lauren and Joe's musical references. That is generally true. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Joe, he is not with us today, as you probably guessed from the fact that he did not chime in. Joe McCormick, our third co-host, will be back very soon. Right. In the meanwhile, if you couldn't tell... We're talking more about robots. Yeah, we mentioned in our last episode that we were having a duo robot conversation this week. And in fact, this topic that we're going to talk about today, robot security guards, was a suggestion from Joe himself. Yes. And so we hope to do justice to the topic, Joe, and we look forward to you being back in the studio very soon. Uh, so let's talk about robots and security guards and 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 robot security guards. Uh yes, because well, okay, we've talked many times on the show before about the amazing and sometimes strange ways in which robots are taking over traditionally human work. The type of human work that frankly just stinks. Right. Uh you know, work that's physically hard mm. or repetitive or dangerous or just boring. Yeah. And all of those things are detrimental to a person's sense of self-worth they 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 can affect job satisfaction like if your job ends up devolving into something that is repetitively dangerous obviously that can have a, a profound effect on you uh stress either physical or emotional or both and even if it's just dull if it's just boring and repetitive then that can have a, an effect on you as well a, a big negative impact absolutely and uh okay so so security why is security this type of a field, this type of field in which we would potentially want to get robots into. Well, mm. well, uh, some some background factoids on security. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, there were about a million human security guards employed around the United States as of 2015. Um, they generally make about 12 or 13 bucks an hour on average, uh, patrolling and monitoring premises for suspicious behavior and crime. Mm-hmm. And they're important because even even in this world of ours that is increasingly rigged with security cameras everywhere, security guards. You know, having having a physical person with a physical presence can absolutely be a deterrent to crime. Right. I mean, it, a camera might deter a criminal. It might not. And if the criminal has decided to go ahead and commit said crime, uh, perhaps they've got a mask on or something. They feel fairly confident that the, the camera's not going to be able to figure out their identity. Oh, sure. What's the camera going to do? Not. Not a whole lot. Just record. Just going to record stuff like it usually does. The same thing it does every night, Pinky. Yeah. Um, And furthermore, as we know from every heist movie ever, cameras are really easy to trick. Yes. uh, And very entertaining uh, in in the ways that you can come up with to do so. So, okay. Um, This job is important. Mm-hmm. But it is not an ideal job. It is it is dangerous by nature to put your soft and fleshy body in the way of a person who's desperate or determined enough to steal or destroy property. Mm-hmm. And uh, and furthermore, it can just be lonely and boring. And patrolling an area over and over again isn't really fun. Yeah. So it's already fitting two of the three D's that are often cited as work that is ideal for robots and not for humans. That would be the dangerous and dull. But... Depending upon where you're doing your security gig, you might even hit the third D, which is dirty. Dirty meaning not just like, oh, that place is poorly maintained. But (laughs) it may be that we're talking about security guards for areas like where there might be hazardous waste. And you don't want people wandering into that place. Swamping on through that. But then you put a human being in danger by placing that person in close proximity with those hazardous materials. So what's the solution? Why not put some robots there? Robots! Robots! So here's the thing. 
Lauren went out and started looking at this crazy, crazy company that has a security robot that's that's been active for a couple of years now, particularly over in the uh, Silicon Valley area. Uh-huh. Um, but recently, we saw some news coming out because uh, Uber has started to use one or maybe two of these robots uh, at one of their lots. Uh, right, yeah. We, we were inspired by this news story, and so we wanted to, to look in to this startup called Nightscope. Which is... An awesome name. Yeah, knight is in like the stabby, like armored human right. kind of knight. Right. Not like knight. Monty is in Python, the, the Holy Grail style. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not the nighttime. Knight. No, not nighttime. Not the dark, dark no, no. thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so in 2013, this this startup in Mountain View, California, home of Google, home of Google, and etc., um, started designing this robot that they call the K5. And what they eventually brought to market is a five foot three inch. 300-pound, shiny, white doom egg. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. It is conical, not comical. <laughs> Although I guess, depending on what happens to it, that also could be that's, the case. That's true. But but conical in shape and... Uh, and 300 pounds. I mean, this is this is not a lightweight. Uh yeah. I mean, I I am five foot three, y'all, for 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 reference. <laughs> and and the idea, I, like, I, I'm thinking that I could easily like ride one of these like a like a doom egg pony. Yeah. But yeah. But I probably shouldn't. Yeah. Um, it, it might it might start making noise, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so these things are outfitted with just a whole lot of sensors. You've got. Four high-definition cameras in there that give it 360-degree vision. You've got a license plate recognition camera, four microphones, a thermal camera, a laser rangefinder, GPS, and a weather sensor um, or or an environment sensor, really, you should say, that can monitor the, the temperature, the barometric pressure, and carbon dioxide levels in the area. So... What all of this does is help it find its way around, uh, watch any humans that are in the area, detect fires. Very important. Uh huh. Um, watch for license plates for potential troublemakers, like a you know, recently fired employees or like a car that seems to be casing the joint, something like that, mm-hmm. and et cetera. Um, it also has Wi-Fi capacity so that it can communicate with fellow security bots and also with human personnel who are either remote or on the site, but not, you know, like poking it. Right. Not right. Not not walking. N- not literally. Walking right next step to by it. step yeah. with the robot. <laughs> um, for, furthermore, like like Roombas, they know when they're running out of juice and can uh, go head back over to their recharge station. Now, what is interesting to me beyond the technology here, which is already impressive, this oh, idea, yeah. you know, they, they, it seems fairly comprehensive for your basic uh, uh, guarding type of duties. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about some surveillance, some uh, Patrol. recording, patrolling, uh-huh. is that Nightscopes come up with a clever means for generating revenue. They're not like, obviously, these robots have to be mega super expensive. Oh, yeah. But they're not they're not just saying, hey, come look at our catalog and you see this eighty five thousand dollar robot. How many would you like to order? Yeah. Uh, no, they, they they have a rental business model. Mm-hmm. So uh, so the official company line and how much they cost to rent is that you should totally speak with a sales representative to find out a plan that works best for you. Yeah, that um, makes sense. But, uh, but news reports have listed it at about $7 per robot per hour or about $60,000 a year for 24-7 surveillance. Right. So if you think, oh, $7 per hour – for a robot, like that's probably less than what you would pay a human person. And in fact, according to averages, 
It is. So in that case, you've got Nightscope having a, a sales pitch saying, well, if if your needs don't require an actual human being to be there. All the time. All the time. Then perhaps this robot would be a way that not only could you maintain security at your space, but you could save money in the process. Yeah, and uh, and and under under this kind of concept, they are in use by a few tech companies around the the Silicon Valley area, like uh, like Qualcomm and, and Uber. We mentioned. Yep. And uh, they 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 were certainly in use for a demonstration at Microsoft. I'm not sure if they kept actually them been put in there. Or yeah. Not. Yeah. Well, what's interesting to me is when I started doing research on this, I kept coming up with articles from different time periods, like two years apart. They were yeah. like. And every time it was like people had just discovered them, right? Right. Like, and, and I had no—I had only seen them right now too. Right. So, and I—I I read a lot about robots <laughs> on the internet. I'm like, how did I miss this? They're but, glorious. To be fair, even people in Silicon Valley have missed it because every time there's another report about these robots being put in place by someone, it's like, this is amazing. It's brand new. It, there, that a, happened two years ago. There's a hashtag on Instagram. I don't anyway. Yeah. yeah uh, that is hashtag. Security robot, by the way, yeah. if you'd like to look it up and see some pictures and videos of it interacting with humans. Um, so let's say that you rent a few of these. How, how do you set it up? How does it know where to patrol? Mm-hmm. Well, you lead it around with a wireless controller to help it build out a, a basic map of its patrol route. That makes sense. Cause it which sounds adorable. It wouldn't magically have the information stored in its databanks. It has to learn, clearly. Sure. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of like... Taking an employee on a tour. Right, exactly. Just your giant metal employee. Well, and the other neat thing is because it's a machine, it doesn't forget unless its memory gets corrupted. So it will always remember where everything is. Yeah, and so, uh, and by observing its surroundings, it starts to learn, you know, where it can and cannot roll. Right. uh, Because it is a rolling machine, not a walking machine. So you can defeat the security robot by with a short curb. Or a, yeah, exactly. Just a just a slight ledge. It's it's <laughs> kind of got the uh the classic Dalek uh, uh weakness. Although yeah. I know Elevate I know, Elevate I know that today they can fly, but back in the day they couldn't. Oh no. <laughs> and and the first time that a Dalek said elevate and went up some stairs, like yeah. I was terrified. <laughs> I was genuinely upset. Uh, spoiler alert for first season of Doctor Who reboot. Yeah, season nine, I guess. Of, yeah. of the te- te- technically, but whatever. At any rate, um, yeah. So so you so you lead it around to to show it where it can and cannot go. It will start building up its own personal database of of its surroundings there. And furthermore, you can program in GPS coordinates to give it like an outline of like like a fence almost. Yeah. yeah so it's like a it's, it's an area. invisible fence that the mm-hmm. robot's not going to go beyond. Right. All right. So. All right, I've decided to rent my security, my my RoboCop, mm-hmm. and and he says your move, creep. No wait, no, I, I put him, <laughs> I put him out there, uh, patrolling the area that we have determined. Let's say that it detects something hinky is going on. What happens next? Uh, not a hinky thing. Anything yeah. but a hinky thing. Yeah. Um, it phones home. And by home, I mean whatever humans are on the security team mm-hmm. at that current moment. Um, you can have it alert different people during different shifts. And anyone who gets an alert can tune into a live stream of what the bot is seeing and hearing. Okay. So in other words, you uh, whether it's you've got a team that's on site, but they are 
maybe they're overseeing the entire area. Like if you're talking about a really big area, you might have multiple robots tour, like on different floors of a building, for example. Oh, absolutely. Or, or you might even have, uh, I imagine, like a like a larger security call center uh, that, that's servicing many different robots over different businesses. Right. That would make sense. And you would have certain teams assigned to specific robots, and uh-huh. therefore you would get that notification. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's say that uh, we've got the security robot uh, clearly, this is something that's meant to interact with human beings, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's someone that needs help or it's someone who's doing something they shouldn't be doing. So how how does the robot actually perform those interactions? Does it just like say like, uh, uh, please don't do that? Or... <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, because because on, on the ground level, you know, like it, it's going to phone home if it senses a problem. But um, but it's it's the humans in the in the security team that are going to actually choose what what happens. Like mm-hmm. basically the robot disengages. Gotcha. Essentially, the robot is programmed to not interact with humans. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, it's, which is a strange feature because, and, and I think that the, the team put really quite a lot of research and development into the, the physical design and the uh, response design of this robot um, to, to, to make it this object that can interact when it has to, but that really isn't meant to. Yeah, so um, it's not it's not interfering with someone. It's not it's not intimidating someone who is perhaps just there under normal circumstances, or oh, perhaps right. they need help and they're coming to the robot to get help, and because the robot actually can can communicate back to uh, the yeah, home there's, base. There, there's a button for that. If you need yeah. help, you can push a button. Yeah, it's essentially an emergency call button. Yeah, exactly. So you don't want to design your robot to look like, uh, you know, like the Cuisinart Killbot 2000 with spinning saw blades all over uh, it. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to go up to that kind of robot for help. I mean, also... <laughs> no, you're going to run from that robot screaming help. Uh, yes. Uh, furthermore, if, if, if your kid wanders up to it, that's <laughs> it's bad time. That's probably bad, for the bad child. Bad hug for kid. Yeah. yeah don't want... No. no. So, so, you know, you, you want to make it intimidating enough to deter crime but you don't want to make it unfriendly right. uh, you know cute enough that it doesn't scare people but not so cute that people are twistedly willing and or motivated to mess with it uh, oh man as we have seen before in studies of human robot interaction uh like like remember that that hitchhiking robot the Hitch- one that successfully hitchbot? got all the way across canada and then maybe two days into the united states before it was stolen and disassembled decapitated yeah Good job, Pennsylvania. That tells you so much about the different cultures of Canada and the United States. Uh, or, uh, yeah, okay, th- there was also a study in Japan in 2014 of how people would interact with a robot that was designed to uh, to help the elderly shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good good robot. Uh, kids messed with it. Uh, you even and perhaps because it was saying things like "Somebody help me" or "Ouch, that hurts." But I imagine in Japanese there is. Something tragically comical about a robot crying out saying, somebody help me. Because <laughs> right? you know it's not really feeling anything. Yeah, it's not in pain. And that kind of makes it funny and that kind of makes yeah. you want to mess with it more. I mean, I, I, I'm a softy, so I have a feeling that I would totally feel empathy for such a machine. But oh, yeah. I can also see the perverse appeal of messing with it further. Oh, right. Yeah, there's, there's some really interesting and probably terrible psychology yeah. at, at work here. Um, so so the team, it seems like, was aiming to make the K-5, like, 
clearly inhuman, like like clearly a a robot and not attempting to to tug on your heartstrings. Right. It doesn't have big puppy dog eyes. No, no, no. Not, doesn't have nothing fur. like that. Yeah. But also obviously autonomous and obviously intelligent. Right. Um so if it's approached by a human person, it it will turn turn to watch you with mm-hmm. all of its big front sensors because mm-hmm. it kind of kind of has a front and a back. Um if you corner it, it will stop moving. Just Eh, I'm pretty boring anyway. Why would yep. you want to mess with me? I'm 300 pounds. Where are you going to, like, yeah. come on. What are you going to do? You stop. Um, <laughs> if you keep it cornered or if you start poking at it, it will chirp at you. And and also phone home, like a, like a low-level alert. Like, hey. And then you could actually have a person say something like, hey, knock it off. <laughs> we can see you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, and if you if you try to mess with it, it'll sound an actual alarm, like like not like a friendly like hey, but more like a <laughs> yeah, more like more like imagine the worst fire alarm you've heard at the loudest level, something al- akin to that. Yeah, because I I have seen uh, it described as ear piercing. Yes. Uh, so so yeah, and 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 then uh, then that will send like a, an official alert to to the team managing it, and uh, and the team managing it can. I'm, I'm pretty sure, like I like I wasn't clear, but but it sounds like you think that this is the case that uh, the team can like speak to you through the robot. I mean, if you have a, if you have a help button, I would oh, imagine clearly. you have to have some sort of communication Call back, or response, else all yeah. it would do is have like an elevated sense of this button is doing nothing. And we just uh, peek behind the curtain. Lauren, and, Lauren wrote, and I recorded an episode of Brain Stuff about placebo buttons. That's one case where you don't want a placebo button. No, no. If that's... it's an emergency call, you want a real effective button. Yeah, that, that would be very, <laughs> very upsetting. So um, uh, my guess is, while I didn't see anything specifically... Uh, it has to. Uh, yeah. yeah. Y- y- common sense would dictate there has to be some sort of speaker through which people could could talk. Yeah. And I would imagine that... You would that would become useful both in a security feature where you say, "Hi, we're you're under surveillance. Don't do that. Yeah, go Stop away. It. Or Leave. we we heard you. We're sending police or ambulance or whatever the emergency might be yeah. uh, to your location right now. Yeah, and we'll stay on the phone with you. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. But but there's also a list of things that will absolutely not do. Yeah, it won't physically interact with a person. It's not gonna. It's not gonna roll up and be like, "Hey, back off, dude." Yeah, it's not I gonna, like that you immediately it's not, went it's with not the, gonna, It's not gonna front at you. Yeah, like <laughs> you immediately did the universal <laughs> fronting, like, like like hold me back, come hold me at back. me, bro. Yeah, that's yeah. not gonna do that. <laughs> um, it the the closest you will get to any sort of physical interaction is that alarm, which yeah. is powerful enough for you to perhaps. And sound is technically a physical phenomenon. Sure. So I guess by then you could say that's how it gets physical with you, but it doesn't like. Like, it doesn't have a little zapper that comes out no. a la R2-D2. No, it's not weaponized in any way. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's we'll not going to... talk more about that one in just a moment. <laughs> it's not going to mess with you back. Right. Um, and oh, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted by by the existence of this thing. A little bit creeped out. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that it can look me right in my beady eyes. You know, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. I... Also, the fact that they... The, one of the owners of the company or one of the creators of the robot in one interview said, like, it's the absolute minimum height that it it could be in order to um, to look around a parking lot. And mm. I was like, absolute minimum. Hmm. You can't be any shorter, Lauren. <laughs> you will be lost in every parking lot. Um, I, well, one of the things that makes me think about is that, well, on the one hand, like, 
you, you get into the discussion about, yes, this is taking a job that is not the greatest job for a human being. But on uh-huh. the other hand, you're like, well, there are human beings who are depending upon jobs like these in order to make a living. Sure. So there's there's two sides there's of that coin. There's a balance there, yeah. You course. would hope to be able to come up with a means, and it's beyond the scope of Night's scope. It's beyond their scope to come up with the means. But you would hope you could come up with some way of getting those people who would otherwise be be out of a job into a different line of work or some other related field so that they could continue to make a living and contribute to society while also not being put in physical harm or in a situation that's going to be soul-sapping because it's so dull and repetitive. Right, um, right. The robot's not going to care. No. So so it's up to us to care. Yeah. Uh, I, also, I like the idea of a robot being able to, to record everything uh, perfectly, like with video and audio. Uh once upon a time, Lauren, before I worked at HowStuffWorks, yes. by about 10 years, I had a temp job working for a security, a private security firm. Oh, okay. My job was to transcribe security officer reports. Oh, my goodness. Handwritten reports so that they could be filed in the computer system. And that was a not the best or most rewarding job I've ever had. The people who were working there were perfectly earnest and hardworking and I, I give all the credit to them. They were not writers and sometimes de- deciphering what they were writing, not just like physically deciphering what a word was, but trying to figure out what they what meant. They meant. Um, I'll have to tell you the story of Cookie after this podcast. I'd tell it now, but it would be such a huge tangent that it'd be a waste of time. So I'll tell you afterwards. All right. But uh, but you wouldn't have to yeah. worry about that because the robot would be recording right, everything. Right. So yeah, that having that level of data yeah. and, and having uh, a continual stream of that data uh, at a certain point becomes a little bit of a big data problem. Yeah. Um, but is probably a good problem that many companies would love to have. Well, especially if you have to pursue a legal claim against someone right. because you're not relying upon uh, uh, a eyewitness account or a uh-huh. security person's account of what happened. Or a stationary camera's footage. Right, or... where you might not have a good view. You've uh-huh. got a 360 degree view, a mobile view, because it can move to wherever the problem is or somewhere where it has a better line of sight of mm-hmm. where a problem might be and have a recording of that thing. That is incredibly valuable, well beyond like an eyewitness account, which oh, we know is not entirely or even largely reliable, or scientifically, yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Um, but but this uh, this Nightscope K5 is not the only security bot out there. No, I found a couple of others. Uh, there's the Avatar Three security robot from Robotex. Robotex. That's uh, T E X for mm-hmm. the end of that word. But it's twenty four point forty one inches by fifteen point thirty five inches by six point fourteen inches, which is about sixty two by thirty nine by 15.6 centimeters. So you know, a little bit more than two feet long, a little bit more than a foot tall. It's and bigger than a bread box, but not much. Half a foot wide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it looks like a, like a little tread robot. Like it's got treads to propel oh, okay. it. So uh-huh. it doesn't have wheels. Well, it's got wheels, but wheels to turn the tread. <laughs> like, yeah. So two treads, kind of like a tank. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got a little kind of glass dome on the top that has all the cameras and sensors on it and a pole for an antenna to connect to Wi-Fi. This one is under manual control. Uh, it's not intended to be autonomous, but it would allow someone to patrol an area without having to leave their 
their nice air-conditioned security room, for example. Oh uh, yeah, or to check out a situation that could potentially be dangerous. Well, it's, yeah, yeah, if it's yeah. if it's something where you know maybe someone spotted a a box and you're like, well, let's get a closer look before we call in any a authorities. Bomb squad, yeah, yeah, because it may just be that oh someone accidentally set their stuff down while loading things into a car and then drove yes. off forgetting it. Yes. Or it could be that... It's clearly a package of ramen. Yeah. Then let's not, call the, from Red Alert. let's not call the SWAT team. Uh, so it, it's a little different. It's not a, It's not like uh, the K-5 and that's, you know, the K-5 being semi-autonomous, mostly autonomous, really. Mm-hmm. But then you have the Anbot, A-N-B-O-T, from China. Now, this one is a little shorter and, a, and, and about half the weight of the K-5. It's uh, 1.5 meters tall, which is about 5 feet. And weighs 78 kilograms, or about 172 pounds. It's also cone-shaped. In fact, it looks a lot like the K5. Yeah. To the point where I start to wonder if this is one of those hmm. cases where one person maybe possibly copied down an idea someone else had. It could very well be that these are parallel forms of development that have nothing in connection with each other. Happens frequently. Remarkably similar designs, however. Um, to the point where it, when I looked at the first picture, I thought, well, why do they have a picture of the K5 on here? <laughs> and then I was like, wait, that's not the huh. K5. That's oh, wow. the actual Anbot. Huh. Um, so uh, it is meant to patrol areas prone to civil unrest. According to Newsweek, at any rate. And oh. it is autonomous in that it can patrol an area. It can, has obstacle avoidance uh, technology. And it is able to go back to a, like a recharging point and recharge itself. But it is also, quote, equipped with weapons. Although, to be fair, those weapons must be manually operated by someone. So it's not oh, like the robot great. just decides to hit you. Yeah, that's, um, that's a much better option. Someone controlling the robot has decided to hit you. I guess depending upon who's controlling the robot. The weapon, by the way, is an electrically charged riot control tool, so essentially like a stun gun or a cattle prod, something along those lines. So it is like the zapper from R2-D2 popping out and, and giving someone a, a yeah. jolt of electricity. Huh. But if that ever does happen to you, if you are ever zapped by an Anbot, it's because somebody controlling it doesn't like you or doesn't <laughs> like what you're doing. Yes. It's not because the robot didn't like you. Decided to. Yeah. Yeah. Unless the robot's malfunctioning in some way. If you see an Anbot in China and there's a little protrusion extending from it and sparks are coming off, just walk the other way. Just, yeah. Yeah. Don't run run into that wand. You don't need to go in that direction anymore. There are other places. China's big. There's a lot of stuff to see. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, I thought that was interesting. But there are, of course... Tons of robots that sort of fall into the spectrum of security bot, but most of them are really not meant to be security robots. They are robots that have features on them that uh, can be part of a security system. Typically, we're talking about cameras. Mm-hmm. So vacuum robots that happen to have a camera on them. Well, they don't necessarily need the camera for doing the vacuum job, but it allows you to go through an app and see what's going on in your house while the vacuum robot is active. And it acts as sort of a surveillance camera. Yeah. So really, it's it's not so much a security robot. It's more like just a webcam. Well, <laughs> it's it's a robot that does. Yeah, yeah. It's it's on the it's on the the light end. It, it's in the spectrum. Yeah. Sure. But this is just where we are now. Where are we going? This is forward thinking. We got to <laughs> think about the future. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, okay. 
like we were saying earlier, this this could potentially, if if we if we follow this out into having full fledged security robots, yeah, we we we're gonna have to deal with a with a with a job deficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Nightscope says themselves that that robots like the K five are not intended to replace human security guards, certainly not yet, um, but rather to keep them out of harm's way as much as possible and to arm them with better data about the environment that they're guarding. Mm-hmm. But but what if we do create... Robots that are sufficient enough to... To replace... Replace humans. Human staff. Like, they, they have the features that will allow them to do a security guard's job without the need for the the... The, team, hum, the, the human home, element, the home at team, all. yeah, right, right. N- nothing to to make the decisions or to come out and zap people themselves. It'd be tough, uh, tough for many, many reasons. Uh, one of the big ones that we've said in other episodes: there are some things that humans can do really well, like naturally well. We you learn how to do it as a kid, and you do it for the rest of your life, and you just get it done. Yeah, and robots are not good at those things. So, for example, the K five isn't really great at staying upright on uneven ground. There was one interview or one article I read where they talked about as they were chatting with a representative in the background, they saw a K5 get too close to the edge of like a curb Mm -hmm. and tilt over. Yeah. And it doesn't have arms. It can't. It can't push itself back up. It can't. Yeah. So then you have to pick up a 300 pound robot (laughs) and put it back on its base. Um, Not necessarily easy to do. And the DARPA robot challenge that we talked about uh, in a previous episode. Oh, yeah. The best people in the world working on robots that can do a multitude of tasks uh-huh. are still pretty crap at making robots that can walk around yeah like that it's hard to make a robot that can climb stairs or open a door and step through uh things that that most people find you know at least if if not effortless at least not so challenging that's impossible. Yeah. Right? But there are robots that literally, like, you can watch that, that video clip of the robot fails of the DARPA challenge, and usually it's set to yakety sax, which makes it hilarious, <laughs> and also sad at the same time. And, uh, but it's, it's crazy to see the little things that robots just find incredibly challenging. And you, you start to, th- when you start to think about it, you realize, yeah, replicating what humans can do creating a machine that can operate within a human world, mm-hmm. a world that we have shaped. Yeah, that, that we able-bodied, uh, more or less average-sized humans have shaped. Right. It is not easy to do that. Um, so also we have to point out, security guards would likely need at minimum the basic skills of a typical able-bodied human. And maybe more than what just a typical person would be capable of doing, depending upon the type of security guard and the type of gig. Uh, right. And, and plus, in addition to that, if you don't have that team of people that it can phone home to in order to make decisions for it, y- you need the capacity to autonomously decide when when someone's a threat, uh, how much of a threat they are, and then how to stop them. Right. Um, computers only just learned how to identify cats. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure how long it's going to take us to get to a, a design of, of that level of decision-making and, and intelligence. Until I can encounter a robot that not only knows what a, what cats are, but can tell you don't go see the show cats, it's really not that great. And furthermore, don't scritch its belly immediately. Don't, don't scritch trap. a cat's – yeah. It's like a trap. There are a lot of, like, a lot of subtle – things Cat I think rules. exactly that if a robot isn't able to tell me what those are I'm not going to trust it to be guarding something of 
supreme importance. Yes. Especially in a way that is or even responsible. mediocre importance. Right. At least in a way that's not going to hurt somebody. Okay. Right? right. Which brings us to the next point, the idea of security guards occasionally have to use some form of force in order to protect a person or protect property. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We would be talking about designing a robot to physically incapacitate humans. Yeah. And instinctively, that seems bad. You, yeah. I mean... Or, I mean, at the very least, like, potentially hazardous and litigious. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, we that goes back to our discussion from European Union. Right. And right. liability. Who's liable? Well, if you got a security robot zapping people, I mean, even if they've done something wrong. Right. There's... There's some liability issues there, and it does seem to go against those laws of robotics we talked about in our last episode. Right, do not harm humans. Yeah, that's a big one. It's right there. It's number one, in fact. Yep, number and one. The, the rest of them are kind of all based on number one. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it all so water falls from there. Exactly. So, and again, these aren't laws that robots are born with, but these are the sort of ideas we've had of saying if we're going to go down the road of building robots. We probably want to make sure they're not going to hurt us. Yes. That seems like a pretty seems, wise thing to build into them. Yeah. Well, and, I, and I do think that, that part of that that intrinsic instinctive sense that we have about creating robots that could hurt people is, is based in science fiction. Yeah. Um, it is based in all of the fun, explodey movies that we see where Arnold Schwarzenegger has a metal skeleton yep. and, and he's stomping around and, and terrifying the living daylights out of everyone. Mm-hmm. And all of that, all of that kind of stuff that that is so far away from being any kind of reality, even if you do create a security robot that can zap people. Um, that's that, that robot is not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, it probably doesn't even have an, an Austrian accent. I, I can't. I can't be positive. I don't know. I don't know what they're up to in China. Kind of. Kind of want them all to have it now. <laughs> uh, but but yeah. But you know, it, it's the idea of a robot running amok. It is pretty pretty unlikely. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's yeah. We we have a ways to go before that that becomes before, a true concern. Before Paul, Paul McCartney bot is, right. is a reality. Right. Yeah. Uh, That's a callback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but okay. So I don't know. You know. I, it's like if if you're really just designing something like this to prevent crime, which is bad. Mm-hmm. Crime is bad. Yeah. And if and if it's a robot that's really good at making decisions and it definitely super never kills or maims anyone <laughs> accidentally or on purpose, those would both be that would also fall into the realm of bad. Yeah. Um it, if all of that is true, then then it would be a good thing to yeah. have a security robot, right? So we just need a robot that can have like a whole bunch of arms and it just very <laughs> it just gently hugs, hugs the criminal and yeah. holds the criminal there. Like uh, very, all all the arms are soft. So as the criminal is struggling to get away, he or she is not actually hurting him or herself. Right. And yet can't get away because the robot also weighs like 700 pounds. <laughs> like, right. Sure. Just like just just a giant panda robot is what I'm imagining. <laughs> That kid that can hug a criminal into submission. <laughs> yes, I, I approve of this plan. I uh, will pitch this night, series night scope, to Sci-Fi. Nightscope, call us. Yeah. Uh, if if we can get this on, if we can get this on Sci-Fi. I think uh, we got a future 
in uh, <laughs> in science fiction <laughs> programming. Uh, no, no. I mean, if if we could create this this panda security bot, you know, it's it's it means fewer humans being exposed to risky situations, which is always kind of one of those like like golden standards of how robots will do us good, right, in the right. incredible future. Yeah. So there's definitely a place for it. The question is, to what extent? I think I think the K five is a great uh, implementation of mm-hmm. this because it is taking uh, what it, what appears to be a very responsible approach to incorporating robots into the realm of of security um, without causing at least initially anyway at least at least in no obvious way uh, risk to harm other people. or danger yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh, I can't wait. <laughs> To revisit this topic in like 10 years and talk about remember our innocent days when the robots were being friendly. and When we thought the panda robots were a great plan. The other day I went and buy myself a Soylent Green bar and uh, was a little slow reaching for my money. And, um, well, that's why I got the cybernetic leg now. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about the future of Soylent Green. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Soylent. No. I mean, that's, I'm hoping that's not going to be the way this show is in 10 years, but we'll find out. Um, maybe. <laughs> so that, that would be a really interesting accent for you to spontaneously develop. Well, it may be one of those that's mandated by our robotic oh, overlords. Like, you, okay. <laughs> like, Jonathan, you have to have a weird cartoonish accent for <laughs> the, the rest of your life, at least when you're on microphone. Yeah. Um, all right, so guys, if you have any comments about this episode or robots in general or even just some other topic that you want to know, like what is that going to be like in the future, write to us. Let us know what you think. We want to hear from you. You can send us an email. The address is fwthinking at howstuffworks.com. Or you can drop us a line on Twitter or Facebook. We are FW Thinking on Twitter. Or you can search FW Thinking on Facebook. Our profile will pop up. You can leave us a message and we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Hey there, parents and teachers. Are you tired of feeling like every day is a battle of wills with your kids? 
Let me tell you about something that changed the game. Love and Logic. Love and Logic isn't just another parenting or teaching strategy. It's a mindset shift that empowers you to raise responsible, respectful kids while keeping your sanity intact. With Love and Logic, you'll learn practical techniques to set limits with empathy, give your kids the tools they need to make smart choices, and build relationships based on mutual respect and understanding. Love and Logic stands behind their methods with a one-year money-back guarantee. Try it out risk-free. If it doesn't change your life, we'll buy it back. Plus, you can get 10% off with code IHEART10. So if you're ready to say goodbye to power struggles and hello to peaceful, loving relationships with your kids, it's time to give Love and Logic a try. Visit their website or call today. Your sanity will thank you. Love and Logic, because parenting and teaching should be a joy, not a chore. Visit loveandlogic.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.